Money FM 89.3, best of drive time. Regional Roundup. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It is drive time. I'm Elliot Danker. It's now time to take a look at uh, some stories from around the region in our regional roundup. Details of the 12th Malaysia Plan midterm review to Thailand's new Prime Minister, Thritha Thavisan, pledging quick action to relieve the country's post-pandemic economic problems. On the line with me is Adip Zakipli, who is Director, Bauer Group Asia. Adip, good afternoon. How are you? Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. I appreciate your time, sir. Uh, quite interesting. We start off with uh, Malaysia with the 12 MPMTR themed as Malaysia, Madani, Sustainable, Prosperous and High Income. And their Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim, is also in Singapore today. Your thoughts on some of the highlights of the uh, 12 MP midterm review? Yeah, I think firstly, for those unfamiliar with this Malaysia plan, it's actually a, it's a five-yearly plan that started uh, way back since the independence. It's a big picture uh, high-level economic plan that includes, you know, in the past infrastructure projects or new major policies. So after two to three years, there will be a, a midterm review. So that this was what presented by uh, Prime Minister Anwar a few days ago in, in Parliament. So yeah, of course there is some. So every midterm review, there will be some revisions or some new policies announced. So it, uh, it's the same this time. So uh, the Prime Minister, for example, I think announced some uh, ambitious targets, you know, like uh, aiming for the 0% extreme poverty by 2025. And I think he mentioned a lot on eradicating poverty and uplifting the you know, livelihoods of especially the uh, lower income groups, you know, uh, farmers. So I think he, I think this is a uh, classic uh, Anwar. I know he's always been very uh, passionate about uh, the rural population, mm. the lower income groups. Uh, yeah. uh, that was, you know, he spent a lot of, uh, quite a bit of time in, in his speech on, on this issue. Then more importantly, I think he also introduced, you know, some try to future-proof Malaysia's economy, you know, mm-hmm. with the uh, emphasis on uh, our energy, uh, new uh, decarbonization in general. Okay. So he was looking at like at least 10 uh, highly strategic, high-impact projects with you know, uh, about 25 billion ringgit in investments you know, uh, to create uh, 33,000 jobs, you know. So that's one of the things that, that he's doing to uh, announce or he announced you know, as part of uh, future-proofing the, the economy. There are also announcements on or other affirmation that to continue with infrastructure projects. So, for example, you know, Penang LRT project and also you know, expansion of airports in Penang and also in, in Subang. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're talking about a total of 17 big, bold measures uh, introduced. But Adip, I can't help but you know, hone in on the hint at new additional taxes. You know, whenever something like that is hinted, you wonder if that could potentially lead to a backlash. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, have you heard anything in terms of Malaysians and how they are taking to this possibility? Yeah, I think this issue is, uh, I know at least a decade old, the issue of whether Malaysia should uh, expand its t- tax base. And of course, it should. And I, you know, not, not too long ago, the federal government introduced the uh, GST, but it was abolished in 2018 when uh, when we had a new federal federal government. And so, but the question remains whether should Malaysia expand its tax base and how to do it? Yeah, there were some uh, talks of reintroducing GST or even introducing capital gains tax. Yeah, I think that's 
not much public reaction yet on the uh, rumors of introduction of new taxes, partly because I think there's not much details on the new taxes. Just uh, at this stage, just talks and just mm. in a high-level conversations whether uh, Malaysia will need uh, new taxes. Of course, it's a highly controversial issue. Yeah. I mean, tax, uh, new taxes in any country, you know, it's a politically sensitive issue. Yeah. Uh, talking about sensitive issues, is it fair to be, I mean, with 17 bold measures, is it fair to ask right now what more could be done um, after this uh, media review? Well, this is, it's a regular occurrence, yeah, mm. like the midterm review as yeah. well as the, the plan. So I think uh, what is lacking is perhaps, you know, what would happen you know, the, to uh, the government agencies, to the departments, to the uh, officials who fail to deliver projects under their responsibilities. I think that is what is lacking. But I, I think the Prime Minister did announce uh, there will be uh, some sort of high-level committee to monitor the, the, the deliveries and uh, of the of the Malaysia plan. So, okay. but what is not clear is what would happen to the stakeholders, to the right. ministers, you know, to the to the agencies if they fail uh, to deliver projects under this plan. Mm-hmm. Fair point. Okay, let's move on to talk a little bit about Thailand. The new Prime Minister Sri Thavisan pledging quick action to relieve the country's post-pandemic economic problems. This has been going on for a while. One of the reasons why they were so adamant on opening up post-pandemic, right? Yet at the same time, uh, Mr. Thavisan has come under fire um, for his what's been called aimless economic agenda. What's your take on this, Adip? Is it fair, a bit too harsh right now? Well, I, I guess it's, I mean, two reasons. Right? One is I think the expectation for is a bit too high for, for, for a new government, okay. new uh, coalition government. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, he was able to be uh, elect, elected prime minister within a shorter period of time, a relatively mm. shorter period of time after negotiation with parties is a success in itself. But of course, I think at this stage, there's a, there are also a lot of expectations, very high expectations from the public, from the opposition. And I think the criticism mostly came, at this stage, came from the opposition party that uh, I think failed to form the government, which is fair in a, in a, in a democracy. But yeah, I think it's the challenge for him, the new prime minister, is you know to prove that you know, despite the you know the unconventional way of this formation of this coalition yeah. government, you know what not what most people expected. You know he could still deliver economically to to the, to the people and yes, get the country out of the, the pandemic-induced yeah. situation. Yeah, But if we were to look as well, I mean, take things back and the, the way, as you mentioned, how the election happened and how his premiership came about, I mean, he was not exactly in the running right at the start. So now you've ha- you have comments that uh, his policy statement does not match his party's election pledges. It's, it, is that fair? You, you kind of have to roll with the punches. What, what promises exactly were missing here? Yeah, I think some of the criticism of fair, I mean, the lack of uh, specific details. But I think this is something, uh, you know, that him and the coalition should, you know, work it out in the, in the coming months in the, uh, to make sure that they have the, the specific details to deliver. And it was, uh, uh, to be fair to the new prime minister, it is it was a, a general policy statement, you know, the first policy statement just weeks after the formation of the government. So I guess the details, you know, will come in, in, in bits and pieces in, in the coming months as the, you know, as he completes the appointments of junior members of the administration and, and so on. 
Mm, fair point. Okay, um, let's move on to our next issue, the East Asia Summit Roundup. Um, Adi, what are some of your thoughts, some of the highlights of the summit? Uh, tensions seem to be flaring up between the US and China. That's been going on for some time uh, now. What, what exactly happened here? How true are these claims that uh, both sides are, where, where the tensions are concerned? Yeah, I think this is again is becoming a, a regular occurrence, right? Like every and every now and then, yeah. there will be you know discussions or tensions in the uh, South China Sea, uh, and and I think at this time we, I think it, it got to an, another level, you know, uh, competition in yeah. in tech, you know, in in uh, network security, you know, and so on. And of course, East Asia Summit is the platform where all this all the big powers get together and hopefully could you know. Sort out the differences, or you know, and with ASEAN countries acting as you know mediators of sort. But yeah, so it, it is fair to say it was it, it got quite a, a, bit, a bit of tense, mm. you know. And it, this was added by the uh, absence of the top leaders, you know. Yeah. And the think the lack of highest level representation. Yeah. I think kind of give uh, credibility. To the fact that it's it's getting more and more tense, you know, and uh, you know it creates uh, paves the way for uh, a more tense situation when the top leaders are not in the same room or not at the same uh, conference. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point. I, I was going to talk about that and and whether or not their non-attendance can be viewed as a snub to Southeast Asia. But just to change that question slightly, everyone kind of wants to play the role of mediator. I mean, there's a bit of glory that comes with that. Uh, what are the odds that Southeast Asia can fulfill that role in light of this so-called snub? Well, if you mention Southeast Asia or ASEAN as a whole, mm. I think it's a bit uh, challenging for mm. the bloc to play a role as mediator, you know, as Southeast Asia or, or ASEAN, rather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's made up of very diverse member states, diverse, okay. I, I mean, ideologically, you know, economically. Yeah. So it's almost impossible to get the, the member state to have a common stand on, you know, especially on highly sensitive issues and to act as mediator. I think what could, the next best thing is perhaps, you know, the key members of the bloc, you know, more influential members of the bloc to either play the role individually okay. or in smaller groups, you know, uh-huh. to, to act as a mediator or as a buffer well, between between the the, the the big powers. Mm, yeah, well, who will step up to the role? I'm sure this is something we'll see uh, continue to develop. Uh, I've been speaking with Adip Zalkapli, who is Director Bauer Group Asia. Adip, I appreciate your time today. Take care and have a great Wednesday evening. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.